This message by Pastor Eric Ludy was given at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. As a ministry, we desire to see the return of strong, triumphant Christianity in the church today. We make these messages available free of charge for the purpose of strengthening the body of Christ and igniting bold faith in the hearts of believers around the world. The ministry of Ellerslie is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. If you have been personally impacted by Ellerslie's messages, please consider partnering with us as we build world changers for Jesus Christ through gospel-centered discipleship. Visit ellerslie.com to learn more. Now, here's Pastor Eric Ludy. So I'm, I'm desirous to go through a series on femininity, and uh, it's interesting because when you bring up the idea of womanhood or femininity, uh, it can very quickly strike fear uh, in the body of Christ, like, oh, you really shouldn't touch this territory, especially if you're a man, you shouldn't touch it. And what you're going to see is my desire in it is not to try and create war or to try and purposely be politically incorrect, as much as just to teach how God describes in Scripture the bride, uh, which is all of us here. We are the dependent ones. We are the ones that are led. We are the ones that don't lead. We are the ones that follow. And so in that position, what does God enunciate, and what is the role of the feminine creation to reveal the glory of God uniquely. And so that's what I'd like to go through. This one uh, could go one of two ways. I was not going to include it, and then here I am at the last minute saying I'd like to include it in the series uh, for this week. But uh, it has to do with the dependence uh, aspect of Christianity. And so I'm not going to talk about femininity in this, but I think you'll understand the bride's position in this will come forth uh, fairly clearly. We are the ones uh, that are proposed to. We're not the ones that do the proposing. And Jesus has called us, he has chosen us, and we respond. So we're the responders, which would fit well with this particular message. So the winding road. Oh, sorry, my clicker's not on. So this is a, uh, a word that I use a lot, but I've had uh, different students tell me that I pronounce it wrong. So I... Uh, stuck the uh, pronunciation guide for all of us, and it is different than I, I do pr- uh, pronounce it, even though it's close enough that you'd think they would overlook it. But uh, circuitous technically is the proper way of saying it. I don't want to tell you how I usually say it, because then it'll get in my head for the rest of our time. But circuitous, you see the word circuit in there, and if any of you have been in, in the core training, you know what a circuit is, uh, and Uh, You get a lot of sweat built up, and that's pretty accurate for what it's like to follow Jesus. You see, we oftentimes get the vision, and we know that we're supposed to go from here to there. And it's interesting because you could even ask many of us in this room, do you know what God has called you to? And maybe we don't have great specificity, but we have a general idea. We're supposed to go there. And if someone said, where's there? We could describe it in hazy, general terms, but we see it. And we don't always see it. One day we have this glimpse, or it's called a vision. Uh, Some people would call it a calling, where it's like, boom. You suddenly see a direction for your life, and you sort of lock it in, and you hold on to it, just as Mary was spoken to by the angel of the Lord about this Christ child, and she treasured these things in her heart. Well, it's a similar process that we go through. And again, this is the bride position of being given a trust or a vision of where you're going, but not knowing exactly how you're going to get there. 
As humans, we default to the idea that we are going from here to there in a straight line. And that just isn't how it works. It is a winding road, thus the title for this message, and also thus the definition of circuitous, which is an adjective of a route or a journey. It's longer than the most direct route. It's winding, roundabout, and meandering. Now, why God wouldn't just take us from here to there in a straight line is mystifying to many of us because God is very efficient, isn't he? And he teaches us to be wise and efficient. So why would we spend so much time wandering back and forth in this circuitous, did I get that right? Circuitous. See, I have this other pronunciation, which is really good, by the way. And it's a good pronunciation. As far as I'm concerned, it's just as accurate. Just like New Orleans, New Orleans, Nolans, you know, these are all accurate and they're all appropriate, right? Uh, but this circuitous uh, route that God leads us on. That, and here's, I'm going to give you a summary of my life of dependence upon God. Maybe I'm giving too much away just right off the back. But I've known for a long time where God is leading my life. And I could have told you uh, near 30 years ago that I would be doing something similar, at least, to what I'm doing now. Right? So I've known this. However, the path to get there has led me all over the world. And I would have never guessed any of those turns. In fact, there are times when I see where I'm supposed to go, but God seems to be turning me this direction saying, walk, Eric. Well, well God, I don't know why I would go this way if you really want me to go this way. He says, well, I want you to go this way. I gave you a peak to where I'm taking you, but you're presuming that that's a straight line. When in actuality, I want to do something and it's only over here that you can find that and to get there, you're gonna need that. Oh, and then there's something way over here that you're gonna need also in your life to be able to do that. Oh, and did I tell you there's something way over there behind a mountain uh, that you would never guess that I'm gonna need you to find and before you're gonna be ready to do that. Welcome to following God. In other words, he gives us glimpses of where he's taking us, but he doesn't fully explain everything, and that's part of what we would call dependence. Dependence is based on trust. Trust is based on character. You know his character, and you know his intentions and his plans for you are good. So therefore, even when he leads you in a seemingly different direction, you trust him. And even when he leads you in a seemingly different direction, you trust him. And when he takes you behind that mountain, and you cannot f even see for a while how this could possibly ever lead back to where you sensed God was leading you, you trust him. And so that is the life of dependence, the life of the bride leaning upon the strong right arm of the groom. So in the Old Testament, we have a mental picture, a visible picture of this. It's called the cloud, or the cloud of glory, or the cloud of the Lord, uh, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. We have this symbol of what leads the children of Israel, the dependent ones. And so I'm going to give you some different points about this cloud. There is a time to follow. There is a time to wait. The cloud is not in a hurry. Imagine being one of the children of Israel and knowing that God has called you into the land of promise. And then he seems totally fine having you just sort of hang out in this desert place for a very elongated period of time. I mean, this isn't very easy either, and he seems fine with that. One of the statements I had to grasp and chew on when I was young in my faith was, God is not in a hurry. 
he teaches patience. Because when you look out at a dying world and you first are spiked with the knowledge that these souls, if they don't know Jesus, are going to hell, what does that cause you to do? It causes you to almost awaken a panic inside of activity. It's like, I need to do something. And there's your problem right there. I need to do something. Instead, God says, I want you to follow me. Fix your gaze right here. But God, but God, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. He says, I know, I care about that work more than you do. But that work can only be done if I do work in you and through you. The only way this world is changed is if we learn to heed and follow and depend. We have a tendency to try and solve life's riddles and life's great problems in our own strength. We see them, and then we try and rush forward to rescue or to do them and to accomplish them, when in fact God wants to do that and he wants to use us, but he needs to first train us in dependence. And so to learn, in, learn dependence, you have to learn how to follow when he says come. You have to learn how to wait when he says be still. And you have to not be in a hurry, you have to move at his pace. And his pace is shockingly slower than ours. I'm gonna emphasize it again. It is shockingly slower than ours. And it, here's the fourth point. And it often doesn't take you in a straight line. Now I say often because God can do whatever he wants. If he wants to show you that today you're supposed to talk with that person, it might be a very straight line to that point of contact. However, a lot of times what he's doing is he's given us vision for seasons of life. And sometimes it's three seasons away that he is allowing us to take hold of so that he so we recognize that there is a training ground in process and that he wants us to allow him to take us in that direction. And that isn't usually, I'm gonna use the word usually, in a straight line. It is a winding road. Exodus 13, 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. Now what's interesting is I think most of us can envision a pillar of fire at least. You know, it's like something, that's, basically the word means to stand up. A pillar, something that's like standing up. When you talk about cloud, a pillar of cloud, it's like there's other clouds in the sky, but there's this pillar of cloud. What is that? Well, one of the best ways to understand it is it's the result of fire. And so what comes up from a fire is a pillar of cloud. It is that which shoots up from a fire. It's the evidence of fire. So it's interesting that we have this, that during the day, even though you may not be able to see the fire, you see the evidence that there is still a fire. The presence of God is there. And of course, at night, it is fire, and you see that fire, and it provides light. So let's at least focus on a time to follow first. That's not really what I'm going to focus on today. I'm going to focus more on a time to wait as what I'm going to draw out. A time to follow is just as challenging as a time to wait because usually what a time to follow means is there's a time where you need to say goodbye to things. And whenever you have the clear movement where God's saying, I need you to step forward, that sounds romantic on the surface for us as Christians. It's like, because we beg, we're like, God, show me where you want me to go. Show me, I want to know. And then when he finally shows you, there's a gulp because it actually means a parting of ways typically. So I'm just going to give you an overview of the fact that scripture gives this indication that there's a time to follow. So just in case you were thinking of arguing with me. And he, Jesus said unto them, follow me. That's Matthew 4, 19. 
Follow me, Matthew 8, 22. Follow me, Matthew 9, 9. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, Matthew 16, 24. Follow me, Matthew 19, 21. Follow me, Mark 2, 14. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, Mark 8, 34. Come, take up the cross and follow me, Mark 10, 21. Follow me, Luke 5, 27. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, Luke 9, 23. Follow me, Luke 9, 59. Come, follow me. Luke 18, 22. Follow me, John 1, 43. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, John 10, 27. If any man serve me, let him follow me, John 12, 26. Follow me, John 21, 19. So to establish an idea in scripture of God's nature and his intent, it doesn't take that many references. We have a very clear statement in scripture because the writers of the scriptures are heeding what the spirit of God wants to emphasize. Because if all that was written about Christ Jesus was put into books, the world could not contain them all. So therefore, what is said matters. And one of the things we very clearly see is that the Messiah has come and he is initiating a call. And that call is to leave things. And you're going to notice if you dug into these, it's fascinating, but you're going to see that when these men were told to follow him, they immediately left something. So the following oftentimes indicates a leaving. And so you have Matthew, the tax collector, Levi, the tax collector, that both immediately, they're actually doing business at the time that he calls them, and they immediately leave it. And I don't know how well that went over with the Roman government, but they just literally stood up and left. You see the disciples, and they basically throw down their nets and follow. That's their career. In all of these situations, it's a massive shift. And so even though there's a romance to this when we read it on the screen, the actual reality of it in our life is a giving up. It is a surrender. It is a saying goodbye. And it's hard. It really is. I mean, that's why you see, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It's like you do know that when you do this, you are not just saying goodbye, but you're saying hello to suffering. You're saying hello to a greater difficulty in your life that you wouldn't have if you didn't follow. If you just stay put, you're fine. Okay, now that's not really what I want to emphasize today in our teaching. However, I want you to recognize that when this cloud in our life moves, it's a joy. It really is because many of us are begging to have God lead us forward. It's like, God, show me what you want me to do in this life. And then when he does, it's like, gulp, wow, that comes with a cost. And it does. A time to wait. So I'm just going to give you a hint of the New Testament statements on waiting. So we have some Jesus ones, some Paul ones, and the writer of Hebrews. So Jesus said, be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Luke 12, 36. And then here in Acts 1, 4, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So there's a time to follow, there's a time to wait. Now Paul says, we eagerly wait. That's Romans 8.25. We need to wait, 1 Corinthians 11.33. We eagerly wait, Galatians 5.5. We eagerly wait, Philippians 3.20. Paul obviously likes that phraseology, we eagerly wait. And we must wait for Jesus, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. And the writer of Hebrews said, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those, he eager, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. So 
I'm going to go near the end of this message, and I'm going to go through the Old Testament. Just a quick overview, because there's so much I could show in, in regards to waiting. It's a huge theme in the Old Testament, which of course makes sense, because they are waiting. They're waiting for the coming of the one prophesied. They're waiting for the Messiah, the one, of, the one who is anointed, who will come and deliver them, the one who will remove the iniquity of the land in one day, the one who will be born in Bethlehem, of a virgin, of the lineage of tribe of David. They're waiting. And yet, this, there's a model and there's a pattern that is being set. All throughout the wilderness experience, you see a waiting. You see a following, a waiting, a following, a waiting. And you see a winding road that leads them ultimately into the land of promise. God will always lead us to his promises. They will be fulfilled in our life. His purposes will be accomplished. And our job is to learn to heed his movement. We, as especially North American Christians, have a tendency to move and then ask God to bless. When in actuality, that's the inverse of how God works. God says, I move, then you follow. If I stop, you stop. Well, God, I need to be productive. I'm an American. And I need to have a task list today, and I need to do things. And waiting does not, it's not like waiting, check. We don't get any credit in America for waiting. There's no satisfaction by checking the box for waiting. I waited today, check. There's no satisfaction in that. And yet in the kingdom of heaven, this is a crucial dimension of our activity. Our activity is to wait. If there's a butler, and that butler is attending to the will of his master, and the master seems to be delaying quite a long time, and he asked the butler to wait for him at the door, and the butler's legs are starting to knock, he's getting a little faint, should he just give up? Or is it his job? You see, it's actually his job description to stand and wait until the master comes. That's a hard one for us because we were not groomed as butlers. So yeah, okay, it makes sense in that, that regard. How about the waitress that's standing at the table and you have that one indecisive person who's trying to order? Some of you know you're that indecisive person. <laughs> And you're like, I don't know. I, oh, I don't know. Their job description is to wait. It is. And so that's actually what they're doing. And so even though we don't typically look at that as a job, as something to do, it actually is. The cloud of the Lord. So you could call it, like I, I typically look at this as the cloud of glory because it actually helps when you understand that that same cloud that enters into the temple of God and the priests literally fall down before it because it's the Holy Spirit that is literally moving into the temple. It's the presence of God. Okay, so in the Old Testament, we know it is the Holy Spirit. But when we see the pillar of cloud and we see the pillar of fire, we oftentimes don't group the two together. That it's the presence of God with them, that it is the leading presence. It is the groom who says, follow me. It is the one who is literally saying the same spirit that was in the Messiah calling forth these disciples is the same spirit in the Old Testament leading the people of Israel. And so when you tie that together, it actually does help and it gives a pattern in the Old Testament for what we should expect. God still is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The way he leads is the same. And he will test us in the wilderness. He will try us. And he will see if our faith is genuine. Will we jump ahead of him or will we wait for that cloud? For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. That'd be pretty amazing. See, they got to see it visually. 
we follow something that is different but the same. It's like what was external in the Old Testament has moved inside. And now we become the tabernacle. And the Spirit of God leads us. And if you say, do you see God, Eric? I mean, are you like following a pillar of fire and cloud? No, not, not the way you would say it, but yes, I'm following something. But how to describe how we as Christians follow is an odd thing. It's like, how do you describe it? It's not really a pillar of cloud and fire, is it? But it is. It's the presence of God that goes before us. It's the peace of God that attends it. And when we walk, we know we're walking in God's footsteps. We know we're going where he's leading us. There is a, there's a joy in it. There's a love in it. There's a peace in it. You see, even if it's into a prison cell, if you're in there with God, you can sing. And we know, those of us that follow the Lamb wherever he goes, we know what it means to follow. Exodus 40, 37. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the next day that it was taken up. Boy, does that describe our life? I'm gonna read it again. Exodus 40, 37. But if the cloud was not taken up, so it just sort of stays in that same spot. It's like, God, we're sort of ready to move. I, I mean, we got a lot, everything's packed up. We're like ready to go. We are, you know, our, our belts are girt. Uh, we are ready. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. So that's going to be tomorrow, right, God? What if it's not tomorrow? Oh, it'll be the day after, I'm sure. You see, this is the waiting, and this is the struggle. There's a certain agony in waiting that I just want to get out on the table. I just want to throw it out there and say, if anyone ever tells you that waiting is easy, they've never gone through it. Because it is a form of agony and difficulty that is similar but very different than follow me. Follow me has a attention of soul that is exquisite it really is but waiting whoo and if i were to ask you so which one's easier I, I don't know that any of us could answer that it's like well it depends was it the follow me into you know follow me to the cross follow me or was it like follow me and talk to that man about jesus you know, which one are we talking here and is it the waiting for one day or is it the waiting for 10 years because they're different obviously but they all sort of house the same challenge. So I'm going to give you a, a, sort of a, a rule of thumb for wilderness living. When the cloud moves, you follow. When the cloud sits still, you wait. I know, this is profound, isn't it? I just, I just taught you so much. But this is like, what, could you imagine a father teaching his son? It's like, uh, Daddy, when are we going to go? Well, let me give you the rule of thumb for the wilderness, son. When the cloud moves, we will follow. When the cloud sits still, we will wait. It's that simple. Yet something that simple is not that simple, is it? That's hard. And I mean, even though it looks really easy on the screen, it's actually very difficult to apply in our life. So I'm going to apply it right straight across. You're going to notice that there's not enough change in this to give us any relief valve because I'm just going to take it straight across. The rule of thumb for the believer, when the cloud moves, you follow. When the cloud sits still, gulp you wait and so both are challenging because there's going to be times in my life if I'm going to summarize it there are times when he's asked me to do things that are extremely difficult and yet I need to move I've been saying God I'm, I'm willing to follow you wherever you lead me but God I didn't know you were going to lead me there and then God I'm ready to follow God I, I'm ready to do something and waiting doesn't feel like I'm doing anything 
And the long-suffering that can come in a season of transition, a season of trial, a season of enduring pain. I mean, you can feel it many times that you're being pressed out of measure, that you cannot continue, that you cannot possibly survive it. All it is is waiting, right? I mean, what's so hard about that? It's not just the passage of time. It's the fact that usually there are weights and trials in that passage of time which make it extra challenging. And yet, that is critical to you reaching where you're supposed to be going. God is taking you somewhere. And these circuitous, see, I got it, these circuitous winding dimensions where he takes us over to this trial over here. I don't need that. I can just go straight to the end, God. Just take me right where you wanted me. And yet, that trial is critical to that end. Why would he take me way over there? I don't need that. You don't think you need that. He knows you need that. So the question is, do you trust him? Because he is going to take us on a winding road to get us to his ends. Seeing the cloud, gaining the vision. So if I were to ask you if you've seen a cloud for your own life, you wake up one day you're like, God, I, I see where you're wanting me to go. So he says, follow me. And there's usually a challenge or a cost to that. And sometimes it's people in your life that are like, where are you going? Hey, you shouldn't do that. Or as uh, Judas said of Mary of Bethany's spikenard, what a waste, you know, this ointment could have been sold for 300 pence. In other words, that's what your life looks like when you begin to follow, when you take precious things and pour them out, when you begin to move forward and you deny yourself and you actually go. It doesn't look good to those around you. It doesn't always feel easy inside of you. And yet you've seen something. So go back, I don't know what it is now, 20, that's a lot, uh, 1993, I want to say. Uh, so what is that, 26, 27 years uh, when I saw the vision for what we're doing here. So I'll just read you that just to show you what a cloud can look like. I have a vision for the generations after me. They need to know the cross of Christ, the saving grace of our precious Jesus, the undiluted gospel that Paul preached and the standard of holy living. To this end I will labor that the gospel of Christ may not be diluted, that the cross of Christ may retain its offense, that those that God wills for me to disciple may carry this employment unto future generations. Go! So Eric's ready. I see it. And yet, talk about a winding road. It took 17 years before we even opened our doors here. 17. That wasn't part of my vision. I didn't see that. I didn't see the 17 years. And then the 10 years that it's been open, I didn't see all the pain and the difficulty to get to where we're at now. That wasn't, I don't see, did you see that in there? You know, I don't see that. I have a vision for all sorts of suffering. I didn't have that. (laughs) I have a vision that this is going to take forever. I didn't have that. I saw something and it moved me. It got me up out of my seat and I said, I want to do that for you, Lord. This is good. Thank you, Eric. So here's what I need to do in you to accomplish that. And most of this has been waiting. There's moments when the cloud moves, like, oh, like going after the campus. But I then, I saw the cloud move and I went after this campus and we didn't get the campus. And so then the cloud sits for three more years. It's like, what? God, this doesn't make any sense. The amount of, Struggle and trial in following a cloud is surprising. I didn't have that figured in, so I've, I guess you guys might as well figure it in from the very beginning instead of being shocked like Eric has been. I wouldn't have guessed that it had such a winding road and so many 
moments of trial along the way that were needed to strengthen the man to fulfill that, to be able to walk in that. The long journey, the circuitous route, it is not a direct line, but that's okay. The amount of adventure you have in the journey is so amazing. I don't, I don't know if you've ever studied like uh, landscaping, but landscaping, they will tell you that a straight sidewalk isn't as beautiful and as friendly to the eyes as a winding one. So you'll see most modern sidewalks that you're going through neighborhoods, they'll like wind a little, okay? And isn't that an ironic statement though? And that I, I can say the same, okay? So I don't maybe study a lot of landscaping, but I do study Christianity, and I could say a straight line, how boring is that? There's nothing quite like a winding road. That God is going to take us on a journey, and by the way, you don't want to miss it. You want to go on that journey. God knows how to show off his creation to you. He needs to show off his truth to you. But if you just went in that straight line, you'd miss all of this stuff. There's so much that God wants us to behold. So this comes from Streams in the Desert, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy this. There was a sermon years ago that I actually had this in, and in my notes that I sent to Sandy on a Sunday morning, I actually lined it out, and so we never gave it. So I figured there has to be a purpose why I copied and pasted this in the first place, so I'll give it to you guys today. This was the supreme test of obedience. It was comparatively easy to strike tents when the fleecy folds of the cloud were slowly gathering from off the tabernacle, and it floated majestically before the host. Change is always delightful, and there was excitement and interest in the route, the scenery, and the locality of the next halting place. But ah, the tarrying, that's the waiting. Then, however uninviting and sultry the location, however trying to flesh and blood, however irksome to the impatient disposition, however perilously exposed to danger, there was no option but to remain encamped. The psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And what he did for the Old Testament saints, he will do for believers throughout all ages. Still, God often keeps us waiting. Face to face with threatening foes in the midst of alarms encircled by perils beneath the impending rock. May we not go? Is it not time to strike our tents? Have we not suffered to the point of utter collapse? May we not exchange the glare and heat for green pastures and still waters? These are good questions. Come on, I can't just keep going like this, God. I, don't you give me green pastures and still waters? Why do I have to stay at the glare of heat? There is no answer. The cloud tarries, and we must remain, though sure of manna, rock, water, shelter, and defense. God never keeps us at post without assuring us of his presence and sending us daily supplies. Wait, young man, we'll put in young woman too, and elder man and elder woman, since we sort of are a representation of all. Wait, all of you, do not be in a hurry to make a change. Minister, remain at your post, until the cloud clearly moves, you must tarry. Wait then thy Lord's good pleasure. He will be in plenty of time. So I don't know if you re resonate with that, but wow. Uh, there's a reason why I copied and pasted that in Streams in the Desert and stuck it. I have this one little collection of Streams quotes, uh, Streams in the Desert quotes. And, you know, so it's like, how do those make it into my quotation bank? 
Well, usually it's because I'm like shaking as I'm reading it, going, oh, he's talking to me. I'm the young man. <coughs> there have been so many times where I wanted to sell this campus. So many. I mean, I, and I have the devil constantly offering some, some deal. It's like, hey, if you just do this, your life would be so much easier. And yet I know where God's cloud is. Sitting right here. Eric, this is where I want you to wake up and work today. God, there's other green pastures, still waters somewhere else. This is hard. And yet this is where the cloud is. So this is where his provision is. This is where his joy is. This is where his grace is going to be found. If I went somewhere else to find the grace, it wouldn't be there because it's where the cloud is. That's where his presence is. That's where his grace is. The dangers of following. It means giving up everything. The agonies of waiting. Trusting even when all goes dark. So this is also a quote that I found when I was looking through my streams quotes this morning. Uh, and I, I really like this. It, it fits well. God has a purpose in all his holdups. So we think God forgets us. We're like, hey, God, I think you, I'm held up here in this, this cloud hasn't moved. I think you sort of forgot to move the cloud. But in actuality, the cloud is there because God intends it to be there. God is not accidentally leaving a cloud stationary in our life and not moving it. It's like, God, you stopped right over a place of difficulty. <laughs> uh, if we just sort of moved over there a little, there wouldn't be difficulty, but you stopped your cloud right here. Uh, and we're like, <sighs> doing our best to see if we can move this thing. However, the key is God has a purpose in all his holdups. Look at, listen to Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. If you are trusting God, then every one of his steps, even if it means not taking a step, that's ordered by the Lord. Now listen to this. This is, this is the part I wanted you guys to hear. On the margin of his Bible at this verse, so Psalm 37, 23, when it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, George Mueller had a notation, and the stops also. So it's not just the steps of a good man that are ordered of the Lord, but the stops of the Lord are ordered. And so I think for us to recognize that the waiting, those moments where that cloud stops in the most precarious position, what's it, uh, that, God, this doesn't seem right. Why would you linger here? Because he has a purpose in this. And if we would embrace that instead of fight it, instead of argue, instead of wrestle, and, and if we would submit to his way and his cloud movements, we would find such delight and joy. It's a sad mistake for men to break through God's hedges. In other words, God hedges us in sometimes. We're like, God, I can't even figure a way out of this. And don't try and get out of his hedge. He has you here for a reason. It is a sad mistake for men to break through God's hedges. It's a vital principle of guidance for a Christian never to move out of the place in which he is sure God has placed him until the pillar of cloud moves. Numbers 9.21. So it was, when the cloud remained only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they would journey. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud was taken up, they would journey. It's interesting how much the Bible talks about this cloud. and gives details of its, of its movements. Numbers 10, 34, and the cloud of the Lord was above them by day and when they went out from the camp. So if you're ever gonna go outside the camp, make sure the cloud is above you. Where you move, you make sure that it's the cloud that is moving before you. 
When the cloud tarried, then the children of Israel journeyed on. It's a statement I think each of us needs to chew on in our life. I am a man of action. It's a good way of describing me. I love to get things done. I, I have one life to do it in, and I intend to make use of it. And yet, so what does Eric need to learn? I need to learn that when the cloud tarries, that Eric journeys not. Because I'm ready to journey. I mean, if God's going to take his time, I still need to get things done. Because i got one life, God. Instead of recognizing the whole purpose of this life is to fulfill his movement. What would he do? And that's the key question of Eric's life. Well, just look at Eric's life and you'd see what God would do. Because I'm supposed to move choreographed by him. As opposed to choreographed myself. Eric, you don't need to see what Eric Ludi would do. That's no different. There's tons of examples of that out there in this world. You need to see what Jesus Christ would do if he moved inside of a man. And if he moves, Eric moves. If he stops, Eric stops. If he speaks, Eric speaks. If he's silent, Eric's silent. That's Christianity. I'm not saying it's easy. It's called a narrow way, which is a way of difficulty and compression. It is a way of denial of self. But it is a way that is full of his presence, full of his grace, full of his peace, full of his presence. The promises for the patient. Simple statement. God will not fail us. So I really like this collection of verses, by the way. So just sort of soak in the reality of what the Old Testament is preparing us for and understanding what it means to follow Jesus. Because remember, all the Old Testament is basically saying, he will come, he will come. When he does, pick up your cross and follow. When he does, follow, right? But the waiting is exquisitely important. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. It's Psalm 25, 5. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Psalm 25, 21. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 27, 14. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 37, 7. Those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Psalm 37, 9. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. Psalm 37, 34. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is good. Psalm 52, 9. I will wait for you, O you, his strength, for God is my defense. Psalm 59, 9. My soul, wait silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. Psalm 62, 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word do I hope. Psalm 130, verse 5. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. Proverbs 20, 22. I will wait on the Lord and I will hope in him. Isaiah 8, 17. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Isaiah 30, 18. And of course, my favorite scripture all growing up here, guys. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, verse 31. For they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. Isaiah 49, 23. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Lamentations 3, 25 through 26. And finally, Micah 7, 7. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God 
will hear me. You know how much promise is stocked into that collection? That when you wait for him and his movement, if that cloud is hanging over a precarious difficulty in your life or a, 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 a location, a locale of suffering, I know you want to get out of it. You want to move. You want to get away from this. There's a green pasture just over the hill there. You know it. And especially, it's, it's, it's also hard when someone else tells you about their green pasture and how the cloud of God has moved them to a green pasture at the time you're stuck in a miry clay. It's like, God, you can't do that for other people and not do it for me. God has you where you are supposed to be. The steps of the Lord, the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord. You see, as you trust him, he is ordering your steps. And he knows that to get to that destination, you have to go on this winding road. You can't skip the journey. It is necessary that you go where he leads you. Even if it seems like every other person in your life is being led by cool streams of water and you're in a desert season. Trust him. He has you right where he wants you. Revelation 14.4. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. So in the Old Testament, we have a cloud. In the New Testament, we follow a lamb. Which is a very strange statement considering shepherds lead lambs. What's a, what's a lamb leading us for? But this isn't just any lamb. This is the lamb that is perfectly obedient to the heavenly cloud. This is the lamb that knows how to get us there. This is a lamb who is not afraid of suffering. In fact, he knows that that's his calling. And so as a result, he will lead us home. But we have to trust this capital L lamb to lead us. And we want to be mentioned in Revelation 14.4 as being part of that band. When it says these are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes, who, who, who exactly are we talking about? Are you being included in that? Am I included in that? That's what we desire. We desire not to do this our way, but to do this his way. To submit to him and allow him to govern, to lead our steps. Father, here we are. Send us, but also, Lord Jesus, stay us. Lord, whatever you desire for us in this season, I pray that we would be ready to say, yes, Lord, we trust you. Your ways are perfect. They are good. And Lord, you do lead us to green pastures. You do restore our soul. But Lord, we also want to trust you in the seasons of desert, in the seasons of difficulty, in the locations of suffering. Lord, we want to trust you right there when there seems to be a darkness that is hovering about us in a cloud where we can't see clearly, we want to trust you in those exact spots and recognize you possess this very situation. You possess this real estate in which we currently stand. Lord, for those of us that have wandered outside of your hedge, outside of your governing grace, Lord, I pray that we would quickly just return this morning. We would repent of our wandering nature and that we would return to the Lamb and let you lead us. Lord, we want to follow and not to jump ahead. Lord, please, I pray that you would steer us as a ministry, as a church, 
that you would steer us as individuals and as a corporate body. Lord, we want to follow you. That's what we desire more than anything else. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message by Pastor Eric Ludy, delivered at the Church of Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without expressed written permission. For more information about us or to help support the ministry of Ellerslie, we invite you to visit us at ellerslie.com, E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com. Please know that you are not alone in this battle for truth, and we are cheering you on down the narrow way of the cross.